everybody. Fantastic episode of the morning show today. We talk about the recent surge in NFT volume and what it could be from. We talk about Ryder Rips and Polly losing their lawsuit, $1.5 million to Yuga and having to cover all legal fees. Talk about DGOTs and whether the collection is in trouble, what's been going on there. We talk about the founder exodus from NFT projects. A lot of NFT projects realizing they don't have businesses and thus the founders having to effectively rug pull the project, as we say in the industry. Anyway, it's a great episode of the show. Nick is on site with Sam Bankman-Fried in the courthouse as Sam Bankman-Fried testifies, so he does not join us on the show. Hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Not a great morning to be a rider, if you get that very, very corny joke. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, October 27th. This is the last show before we go to Amsterdam next week. Today, we are going to discuss Yuga Labs' $1.5 million lawsuit win. We're going to talk about NFT volume reaching a two-month high, and we're going to talk about the great NFT founder exodus. Who could have seen that coming? Who could have seen that coming, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, before I go any further, Bunny, why you why are you so mad at this guy? Which guy? Well, apparently, I, I heard that you're just arguing with some random guy on Twitter this morning. Could be. Argue with a lot of random guys on Twitter. You I, sound actually. Here's the thing, P. I'm mad at a lot of people right now. I'm mad at Yuga because they haven't announced that this one. I was hoping this 1.5 million was going to get airdropped to board ape holders, right? That's a buck fifty per board ape. I think that would be a, a hilarious like thing uh, to do. Uh, also, I'm mad at Beeple. He used Tropo Farmers ape instead of my ape uh, for, for his everyday piece. Tropo's just like pivoted to an AI artist now, so I'm not even sure why I used that one. <laughs> You, you sound actually irked, though. It does. It, it sounds like you're actually irked this morning. Am I wrong about that? No, very irked, dude. Very <laughs> day. I've never, I've never seen you like this, buddy. I've only seen you in a very chill and happy-go-lucky mood. I've never seen you actually have a little bit of a uh, little bit of rage. <laughs> I'm ready to rip somebody's fucking head off, Theo. <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, Clemente, what's going on this morning, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, I was feeling a little bit guilty because I, I publicly roasted Bunny on, on Twitter yesterday, and I thought it, he would get a laugh out of it. He didn't even interact with it. He interacted with my other tweet. So I, I don't know. I felt a little bit guilty and can't, feel, can't help but feel a little, a little bit responsible for maybe some of his angriness this morning. Bunny, you didn't mention Clemente is one of the people that you're angry at. Is he onto something right, there? So here's the thing. If you tag me in a post on Twitter, 70% chance I don't see it, dude. I don't even look at those things. Uh, that's how you. That's the best way to block out the haters, dude. If you don't even see it, it can't affect you. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Easy, what do you make of the settlement? What do you make of the $1.5 million lawsuit W for Yuga Labs? Yeah, everyone keeps talking about NFT projects have to generate revenue. And it seems like Yuga's found a new option on how to do this. Uh, just take them to court. Take them to court, have more money, a better legal team, and just rinse them clean. Uh, I like Bunny's strategy. Just give out 150 bucks to all the holders. Quality airdrop, I think right now that's probably like 150 ape coin. So could, you know, a little bit of buy pressure. Could be pretty ape solid on return. actually pumped you know? from about a buck 25 to a buck 32 last I looked. Wow, wow, crazy game. Absolutely. Gig so ascending. Uh, but I think the real alpha here 
is right after the lawsuit, Buddy texts me, and we were on the exact same wavelength. He's like, dude, I think we got to buy these RR backslash redacteds because they've now changed the name because it's an official Yuga asset. And I responded with, I'm already looking at looks rare. So they delisted them everywhere. As soon as I saw the settlement, first thing I did was go to look if I could get these anywhere. You can't, sadly. Uh, but I was all over it because I was like, dude, I could get an ape. That's a Yuga Labs board ape. Okay, so now they're, they're are these back up? No, I, I, I thought these were it, right? No, it's RR backslash redacted is what they were. From like their official okay. links. But well, now there was none listed. Obviously, Easy's making a joke about the revenue, but the funny part is this is the second largest, if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but I'm almost positive that this is the second largest revenue event for Yuga Labs this year. The largest revenue event being the sale of 12-fold on ordinals. I think that was like eight or nine million bucks out of nowhere. Because think about it, no one going into 2023 knew that ordinals was going to like pop off and there'd be a $9 million NFT sale opportunity on ordinals earlier this year. Think about it. You can't do that today. There's not enough liquidity on ordinals today to just go and do a $9 million drop. I mean, at least I assume. Um, so, I mean, look, we've talked about on this show before, uh, Yuga actually does not have um, a defined path to revenue yet. That's okay because they have so much funding. Excuse me. So as a startup, it's, like, it's kind of actually just traditional startup. It's like you have a ton of funding and you're trying to figure out the, the path to revenue. Obviously, the assumed path to revenue is going to be video games. That's the assumed path to revenue. Uh, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, I didn't realize that there were a bunch of NFT projects that were, uh, you know, the great founder exodus, as you called it, Clemente. We'll have to discuss that. Clemente, you're going to say something before the weather report? Yeah, it's gaming and and plushies is basically the uh, the move, Pio. It's one or the other. You got <laughs> you're either a stuffed animal physical company collectibles or and video games is what it is across the board. That's it. and now real world assets, watches, Pokemon cards, uh, tokenizing real world assets. I've even started to see real estate pop up. There's a project on Solana called Parcel where you can actually short and long U.S. real estate. Uh, and take like almost like leverage positions against it, which I'm really interested in. It's not for U.S. consumers, sadly, but I've researched a bunch of it because that's something I'm like, this is pretty cool to get real estate exposure, especially in the current market, what we're in, where like real estate's kind of the uh, the last domino at the moment when it comes to not in a recession. Uh, when you look at commercial and residential real estate, so I, I'm, I like real. I need to get a REIT. Just get a REIT. I hold a bunch of them, to be honest. Like that's something in my actual stock portfolio I do hold. Um, and have been holding since like 2012, just like sitting on it because they have pretty good dividends. But I like the uh, the more aggressive trading style, especially for capital that I would normally use on coins to now kind of look other places. <laughs> so a ridiculous degen strategy. Um, uh, me yes. and me and Nick went to dinner with this guy that runs an investment firm. You know, really successful guy, really smart guy. And hearing him talk about real estate, he like his eyes lit up like a Christmas tree uh, talking about it. And just hearing about all the kind of all the tax tricks that you can execute with real estate. Like there's mainstream ones that everybody knows. If you listen to that guy, Nick Huber, uh, he's a big Twitter person. He does a lot of podcasts. His content's not really my cup of tea. But if you listen to like his content, he'll give you the sort of mainstream ones. This guy at dinner was like diving into like some deep cut ones. He's like, yeah, if you declare yourself a real estate professional, then you can do this, this, and this. And Nick was like, I would have to declare myself as a real estate uh, professional. And the guy's like, talk to your accountant. 
talk to your accountant. It's just, it was just pretty funny stuff. Um, well, look, if NFT projects are going to be doing, or if the focus is going to be physical collectibles, we have that covered, or at least for five verticals, as I've talked about thus far, and we'll add verticals one by one. We just got to sell some of this stuff because I'm just, I'm literally just like, is anybody going to buy this? I have like this irrational fear that NFT people only want digital stuff. Literally, I'm just like, they only want digital stuff. There's no way that they're going to want the hats, the shirts, and the other three things uh, that we have coming out in, in the initial batch. So we'll have to see. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to dive into the weather report with Signal before we start discussing some of the stories of the day, specifically NFT volume, the Rider Rips, uh, RRBAYC trial, uh, D-Gods, and others. The great founder exodus. I can't wait to sink my teeth into that one. But Signal, please take it away. Absolutely, guys. It's Friday. It's the last day of the week. Also, last Friday of October. So, what has been going on? Market volume is 13.9 million. Wowzers. That is the highest since August the 18th. You got Blur almost in double digits at 9.1. OpenSea just down at 2.9. Onto the market leaders. Well, Bored Apes are up 4%. Azuki's up 3%. But D God's down 10%. Other, other movers include the Winds of Yanayana. Uh, that's down 10% to 6.5 ETH. Milady's up 7%. Nakamigos up 14%. And Kampai Pandas up 12 So looking tasty on some of these collections. Over the past 24 hours, D-Gods were hit with just a flurry of sales into bids yesterday as some holders got out of their blend positions. The number one blur farmer ended up buying almost 200 of them. Uh, and then he then went and slowly dumped them onto other farmers overnight. D-Gods are down 10% and have become the collection with the largest percentage of their supply in blend at a staggering 5.5%. In a rare move, the judge on Sam Bankman's freeze case asked the jury, go home, go have a cup of tea, because Sam Bankman freed is going to be questioned, but not in front of the jury. Uh, the judge did this because he was unsure of the comments Sam would make when questioned by his defense team. He answered questions well, but he became a bit forgetful when he was cross-examined. This year set up for Sam Batman's free big day in court today as a defense will look to make a Hail Mary play. Watch Nick's video. He was there and he will give you the live up-to-date version of what happened there. On to the PFP market, Azuki announced their Mind of Gus Beans physical collectible, which will come with a staple physical back token tech. Prices are yet to be revealed, but 530 of them will be raffled to the Beans holders next Thursday. Clemente is ecstatic because Beans are up 5% to 0.37 ETH. And then lastly, we talked about it. Ryder Rips and Jeremy Cahan have to pay Yuga Labs $1.5 million in damages and cover Yuga's attorney fees and transfer ownership of the Ryder Rips Board at Yacht Club Smart Contract after Yuga won the copyright infringement lawsuit earlier this year. Good does prosper over evil. It is back to you guys in the studio. <laughs> what a line there at the end signal. Good over evil. Uh, I just, I don't know. I was inspired to do this. It's the Friday before we go to Breakpoint. Just want to- He's leaking it. I can leak this one, I feel like. Pull it back just a little bit. Pull it back just a little more, bit. More, more. Okay, one second. Here we yeah, go. You're a little too close. So you got to see the whole thing because this thing's a beaut. So, ladies Shout out the art team. Gorgeous t-shirt. We know bikes are the hot commodity in Amsterdam. We got Buddy on a bike just for Breakpoint. Look at those Bs. Triple Bs, baby. Nice little. Nice Triple little. B. Wait, Triple Bs, baby. So I can take another screenshot for you. Ah, <laughs> I, that was my... That, <laughs> 
I just dropped my phone onto the onto the mixer. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I wasn't trying to just have that guy flip flip out right there. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Look, it's a Friday show. You know, like the whole Friday vibes. Like this is like where you get to wear shorts to the office or something. Drink beers at lunch. Yeah. No kombucha today. It's a good Friday, man. It feels good. And I'd say I did want to circle it back to the NFT thing because there was a bombshell from the D God side of things that dropped where the reason they actually sold off and what many people speculate was because Frank D God's made a comment where he said we have to purge the morons from the collection, which is a wild Ooh. statement. And you usually don't see comments like that. It was in response to another tweet, ended up getting cycled. He unfollowed some people who have been negatively vocal that he's been long term following. And obviously, multiple screenshots came out. It's yeah, the timeline's been electric, man. I've Dude, been having a blast. The guy is going for casting for the main character. I'm just saying, you might want to like. There's one rule and that. one rule only: you Don't never become, become the main the character. Main character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, calling your holders morons. Uh, I mean, only like, Nick can get away with that. <laughs> That's actually literally true. true. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to get to D-Gods. Let me quickly uh, dive into a couple of stories from the weather report. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. I just feel compelled to talk about this right now because this is the first shirt that we're going... Like, this is the first official Bodagos merch. I know I'm like, I'm on the merch and I'm sure I'm a lot of people in the How audience. Like, stop How talking. Stop talking about the merch is probably the, the vibe. But anyway, look, so we, we did a hat and a shirt for Breakpoint. We're going to do merch for all events, right? So I have the team working on some stuff for some other events that are coming up. Um, for the hat, I had made a video about this, but then we decided that it's way more fun to just have Nick do the Billy Mays style uh, video. And obviously that got like 35,000 views. I don't think that my take would have gotten that many views. But basically we, with the hat, we ended up finding a custom embroidery shop in California that did a phenomenal job with the embroidery. We've already ordered a second uh, run of a different hat. So we have another model for when we get back. And for the shirt, Honestly, I went through hell and high water to find the right sample because if you go into t-shirt sample, like th this is, if anybody's trying to make like merch or make like a, uh, a clothing, anything, let me tell you this, the shirts that they try to sell you are dresses. They're literally dresses. It's the weirdest thing ever. I showed Clemente and easy uh, and Nick on a call. I did a size small because I, I ordered a small for Nick to try on. Like I was getting larges for myself, but I got a small and I put the small on and everyone was like, that's a small because it's literally a dress. It goes down past your zipper. It was so strange. And I had to go through, no joke, and Signal would appreciate this as a fashionista. Um, I had to go through over 20 samples of different model shirt. I went through everything, ladies and gentlemen. I went through American Apparel. I went through co Comfort Colors. I went through, uh, th there's so many. I can like reel off all the brands. I'm not going to tell you what brand I went with because if I say it, everyone else, all the other okay. NFT people are going to do it. Normally, I'm not precious with information like this, but because of the hell that I went through, I'm like, no. Yeah, Bella and Canvas is another one that uh, that we went through, which is not what I went with because Sarah's promoting Bell and Canvas. I'll go grab a Bell and Canvas shirt that's in my drawer that I have now. I'll throw it on and I'll show you that it's a dress. But anyway, um, we I'm literally gatekeeping. Someone pointed out I'm I'm literally gatekeeping. I'm not going to tell you what we printed on. But then I was trying to find the screen printer and that was another pain in the ass. So Nathan said LA Apparel. LA Apparel is a popular brand among Web3 like NFT collections. It's the new brand that the guy that made American Apparel, you know, like that creepy guy or whatever, that had that um, 
that, that had the thing. He, he like got in trouble or something. He sold American Apparel and now he makes LA Apparel. It's a popular brand. If our holders if, or, or if people that buy the shirts, if they're like, we want the next one to be on an LA Apparel shirt, we can do that. My position on LA Apparel is, is that in three, four years, nobody's going to care about the LA Apparel shirts. They, they have a weird fit. In my opinion, it's a very young fit. If you're 22 years old, 23 years old, would not be surprised if you're a big fan of LA Apparel. In four years, I do not think it's going to be in anymore. And I'm always trying to make forever stuff. I want stuff that's going to be dope forever. And when you look at the vintage clothing game, people buying shit from 30 years ago, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, anyways, people are making fun of me. Look up the history of the owner. His name is Dove Charney, the owner of American Apparel. He literally got in trouble for like sexual harassment. That's why I was saying the creepy guy. There you go. So uh, sexual misconduct allegations. But he's really good at designing clothes. But anyway, regardless, this is not an LA Apparel shirt. The screen printer is a local screen printer in Brooklyn that I found that does ins incredible work. I'm very optimistic that when people hold the shirt in their hand and they look at the at the screen printing, it's dope. Last thing I'll say on it, last thing I'll say on it is that Nick was very impressed with the screen printing and Nick is so quick to hate on basically any product that I put in front of his face. Like he's just, he's looking for a reason to like say it's not good enough so that we have to go and make it better. And he just had, he was speechless. He had nothing to say from the, the front print to the back print. That's an impossible print. feat. That's an impossible thing to achieve. Anyway, right. um, talking about the shirt, we, we don't have to. We can- How'd you get it, Pio? How'd you get one of these shirts? You just come to the event at Breakpoint next week, or if you just find me, I'm going to be walking around with the shirts in my backpack, and I'll have three or four of them available that people can buy at Breakpoint next week. And then uh, we're figuring out, basically, we uh, for all physical products, I never want someone to order it and then have to wait like eight weeks because we're making it. Other people do that. I think it's such a weird thing to do because I never buy anything that I have to wait eight weeks for. When I buy something, it just comes in the mail shortly after. Um, and so, yeah, so here, hold on one second. So after you buy something, it'll come to you in this mailer, this custom mailer that we had done, which is like a nice little thing. Buddy's in his underwear. I think it's a funny little, uh, a funny little touch that our artist did. And so, um, yeah, so we're just basically compiling products so that we can have a, uh, a regular cadence of drops because I don't want, um, I do not want uh, people to order something and have to wait multiple weeks to receive it. That's just not like my thing. And we just need to have enough stuff in hand. We have really great vendors. We have one vendor that's a 100-year-old great American company that as soon as you see the product, you'll understand exactly uh, what you know, what the product is. I'm not going to disclose it right now because I'd rather just like show you the product and get everybody excited about that. But it's one of the great American companies, family-owned business, been around for a hundred years. I had to go out to their office like a couple months ago when I missed the show two days. That's what I was doing. They are the slowest vendor I've ever encountered in my entire life. It is absurd. It took seven business days to put the order in once we had the design approved. And we had to chase them down. They make you put the order in over the phone. I was in disbelief. I literally, I was like, I couldn't believe it that you're going to make me call you guys after we're doing this whole thing over email to put the order in. Now I'm just like, now I'm just venting about this vendor, but the product is going to be sick. But I now know the amount of time for after these products come in, if people like them, if people like spaz out over them, we're going to order 10 different designs from that vendor because it takes so long. 
to get it across the line so long. So we're going to have 10 different designs and we'll just have them all in hand and we'll drip them out slowly. My apartment is filled with physical crap right now. I mean, you see the box behind me. There's a massive suitcase next to me that I had to buy so that we could bring all this stuff to, uh, to Amsterdam. This is like the startup movie type thing where I just can't even move in my apartment because there's so much crap. It's, in, it's insane. Someone made a joke that I pay for the product orders in Bitcoin and that's why it takes so long. Very funny. Very funny. All right. Anyway, someone said I'm still high on the Bitcoin pump. Okay. Got it. Got it. And ladies and gentlemen, Nick is not here today. because I just, I forgot that I haven't explained that to the audience. Nick is not here today because he is at the court for the Sam Bankman Freed trial. Nick told me yesterday, there's like a reporter guy in front of him. That's just like, you know, uh, really taking a lot of notes, like working his ass off. Like this is his job. His job is to literally be there and write down every single note and not miss a beat. And Nick said he was poking the guy on the shoulder and and, and like going like, yo, what what did uh what did the guy say? Like like basically cheating off the guy. Do you know what I mean? Instead of taking his own notes, bothering the guy. And he said the guy literally like turned around and gave him a dirty look and went shut up, which is like the funniest thing. Like Nick's just bothering this reporter guy, which is so funny. Nick also said that he went up to a, a group that was eating lunch together. It was like a coin desk uh, person, a person from the Rolling Stone, like a bunch of journalist people, reporter people. And he said he sat down and just kind of introduced himself. Like, you know, he's Nick. Nick will just bust in on your table and just be like, yo, I'm Nick. I'm here now. Deal with me. And uh, and someone said something and Nick was like, oh, like, what's that? Like, he didn't know. And the the one of the guys from one of the places, I'm not going to say who, but look, it's not you know, this is not the queen of England that's that's sitting there. Like, you, you don't really deserve an ego. You're just like a journalist person that probably makes like 110K a year. Like, take it easy, buddy. He said the guy literally like looked at him and was like... <laughs> and for you, those of you that are just listening, it's like that Donald Trump meme where, where Trump's like... <laughs> Okay, like who? This guy doesn't know anything, and, and Nick just Nick held back, but Nick could have just like totally roasted him right there. Nick fitting in with a bunch of reporters at the SBF trial is pretty funny. Uh, love to see it. So anyway, I'm gonna shut up now. I just went uninterrupted for like eight minutes. Um, <laughs> what am I, Nick? No, just kidding, just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's talk about NFT volume reaching a two uh, month high. We'll let Easy and Signal take this away, so I can take a little break here. Easy, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised about it. I do think Spencer was onto something earlier when he had stated he thinks it's because of some level of flooring protocol, which does inject liquidity into the space at some capacity. But I also think with ETH chopping here and not rallying as hard as the other tokens, we're seeing that NFT volume start to ramp up. That's where I'm like, this feels a little bit better, especially on these like mid caps, which is that 1 to 1.3 range. Even like Miladies have sent recently after all the troubles and tribulations they went through. My captain's bags are down tremendously. Uh, I'm a proud community member still. God damn. <laughs> but there's some other things that like I am excited about that's going on right now. And I think even right now with crypto kind of like everything hanging on this Bitcoin ETF news, you just have a lot of people who are still working and waiting to roll out announcements until we get like a week of chop where then you'll see a lot of liquidity start moving back into NFTs because people like the leverage position of it. Uh, Blur season two ends in less than 30 days, uh, which I'm excited for because I, I don't think Blur is just going to vanish. I think they're going to have to have something set up where there'll be a new paradigm for liquidity to get excited. And I also think people who made profits on Frentech and other social fi have now started to shift back. There are still people farming the points, but it's not as aggressive. 
where we saw basically all the liquidity at the time cycle into friend tech because everyone was like this is the future of france this is where i had the opportunity to make 100k this year this is the move and then you saw 15 different derivatives everyone started chasing on all those and it looked like the move your boy was on it i joined my friend techs took got the cash right away commented in the channels i'm not doing this i'm going to be gone in a week hyper transparent about it and uh everyone was like okay that works but i haven't been farming it and i think a lot of people right now are mainly just looking back at nfts because you're seeing these cheaper plays still run which a lot of gaming projects are we have a lot of tokens coming up grape coin starting to rally again you have meme coin coming out you have block games wait Dice grape coin is game. grape coin is out no coming out oh. still so they, they just rolled out another game and announced their first play to earn which is called grape run so they have like all these things in the works that is getting people excited now for this inevitable coin. They obviously have the pre-sale signups live, so you can actually sign up, commit the wallet, attach the wallet, et cetera, which has people interested in Eager right now. So not live yet, but I just think there's a lot of these catalysts, especially on the lower price points from half an ETH and under, specifically like under 0.2 and under. And dude, I even bought some art yesterday. Like I don't know who I'm becoming, but I got tagged in this post that was like a Rafiq Anadol style of artist. And I actually just really like the art. I think I paid like 0.06 for it. Um, because I looked at it, I was like, this thing's cool, and I don't want to spend seven ETH on a Winds of Yamawama. So there's there's some stuff that's happening that's got me excited right now and looking at more and more at NFTs. Solana, obviously, giga-pumping to 32 and sitting flat at 32 feels so good for my soul bags, not so good for my NFT bags, but it could be worse. You know, like That's something I look at, and I'm like, this actually makes me feel a little bit better overall because you're seeing a lot of sell pressure on NFTs on Solana, but it is shaping up for projects many of which have been like sandbagging announcements going into Breakpoint. We've already seen Klanosaurus launching plushies. Mad Lads is giving a keynote at Breakpoint. We have our first Bodagas event, which a lot of people are excited about. I'm excited about it. There's just a lot of really cool things that are going to be going down. And the sentiment at Breakpoint, I think, is going to get everyone so excited again, especially because FTX is behind us. At this point, I, I'm going to knock on wood. What could possibly go wrong? Well, when we were coming back from Breakpoint last year, boarding the plane, uh, everybody was talking about FTX. That was the very, very, very beginning of it. Uh, I was on that plane. I was next to Mike Dudas. Everybody was talking about FTX, FTX, like what's going on, what's going on. That was on a Tuesday, if I recall correctly. And by Friday, me and Nick were on a plane to the Bahamas. So that whole thing happened really fast and it really unraveled in a quick, quick way. Um, Signal, any, any commentary on NFT volume before we move on to the lawsuit? Yeah, no, it's interesting how this period of time also reflects like like often the business cycle. So, you know, summer is always that period where everybody kind of goes off, takes their two weeks of vacation, and then you get into Q4 and it's heads down, guys. This is the last quarter that we got to do business before Q1 uh, comes around next year. And everybody's trying to roll in the deals right now. And this is what it feels like to me. Like everyone is trying to get their projects out before essentially December because as as like projects either need to release now or they're going to have to release in January because December is a very difficult time to get people's money because people have already allocated in their head where they want to be spending their money. So I think between now and the end of November, we're going to still see a lot of activities. We're still going to see a lot of um, news come from projects saying this is what we're doing before the end of the year. December, I see it being a bit more quieter like it always is. Sometimes you kind of have that left field airdrop come out from some random platform that you happen to use that year, which injects liquidity into the market. We've seen that, I think, two years running now. 
January blow off top as usual before we go quiet again. But I'm excited for, for now going to the end of November because I do think this is a good period to be making money. There's a couple of projects I've got my eyes on thinking, uh, I don't particularly think that perhaps people are really paying attention and they have more like legs to run. And I'm feeling good about putting my money on the table and being like, yeah, I think I can take some profit on this, which I have not felt like uh, pretty much, well, all of summer I did not. And even September, so like, mm. the market's fragile. It can change with the winds, like the winds of Yanawana. It can just change direction. So I think you got to be ready to like just deploy quickly, but be ready to pull out. Yeah, I mean, NFT market is really challenging to navigate during times like this for sure. So look, ladies and gentlemen, moving on, it's been over a year since the initial lawsuit and Ryder Rips, and is it Jeremy Cahan? Is that Polly's real name? Easy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, that's his real name. Got Jeremy it. Cahan. Well, he has a Twitter account with his doc's name on it as well. Got it. Well, that's also on many FBI lists, I'm sure. Uh, we're, they were ordered to pay $1.5 million to Yuga Labs and to cover all of Yuga Labs' legal fees, and they have to transfer ownership of the RRBAYC smart contract. Gordon Goner, co-founder of Yuga Labs, uh, was quoted as saying $1.5 million plus legal fees and another hundred k for our anti-SLAPP of all their bullshit. Bad day to be a scammer, good day to be an ape. So he's he feels super vindicated right now. I would too if I were him. There's also an additional comment from the judge. Uh, the judge said, in addition, the defendants unnecessarily and inappropriately made disgraceful and slanderous comments about Yuga, its founders, and its counsel during litigation, including calling Yuga's counsel criminals who support racism, anti-Semitism, bestiality, pedophilia, and accusing them of using cartoons to market drugs to young children. These statements were egregious and far exceed the bounds of acceptable conduct. So the judge picked up on how ridiculous the whole thing was and how unnecessarily slanderous uh, the old boys that lost were. Uh, Bunny, what's your take on this situation, Amiga? Ah. <laughs> what does that mean? Strong, strong take. Strong take. <laughs> okay. He's out to lunch. But Pia, the thing that's interesting to me is... Uh, Obviously, this happened in the U.S., right? So the IP rights and what was infringed upon can still be tried in other Western countries. So Europe, they could technically still be sued. South America, they could still be sued. We had uh, one of the one of the many Web3 lawyers, who you're never sure if they're a lawyer or work at a McDonald's, comment on it. And they had stated, yeah, this could act like if Yuga really wanted to throw the book at them, they could try them in basically like Canada, Mexico, the U.K., because I guess that way that Yuga's IP structure is uh, filed lets them, it's like a, a global IP. And because RRBAYC was using that, and now there's already precedent set, they could, they could literally just throw the book at them. Yeah, I mean, Witters had a good comment right there. She said, imagine thinking you can just make up lies and have it hold up in court. It's not really how it works. Uh, ask Sam Bagman fried how that works. The, the judge literally takes the jury out of the room and is like, all right, spew your bullshit and then I'm going to kick you out. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is a long time coming. It's it, Actually, a year, though, I think is not even that long for something like this to go through a full legal process. It's not even that long. Um, those guys had their 15 minutes of fame while this happened about a year ago, and now they're just completely wrecked. Um, I also saw, I think, Ryder Rips, his, um, his Twitter account is suspended. 
and and that's like a guy that just really wanted to be famous really bad for being an artist, just down bad, wrecked all the way around. Clemente, there's something that you wanted to weigh in with? Yeah, I just thought it was funny that the, you know, Paulie has his like little clan of people that fall and they're like, lawsuit can't take us down. Like we're going to come back even stronger. And then Paulie tweeted like, oh, like people made another everyday piece about me. Like, God, like <laughs> it's just oh, so yeah. absurd to me. They're still going off with this. Well, you got a mentally ill leader and a and a group of mentally ill followers. Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of mental illness thrown around left and right. You got them being like, "Yeah, the 1.5 million dollar lawsuit that literally torched us isn't a big deal." That's like if Mike Tyson just didn't torch them. That's the thing. Let's go full conspiracy theory here. Well, how much? Paulie he- launched. Pay us. No- you get nothing. Right. Where he made over three mil. Then pawn token which made 1.6 million. Right. So it's like, those were, in my opinion, clearly ways to fund this. Of course. And then the SEC will just come through and send them to, or like whoever, the FBI, the SEC, he's like securities fraud, right? Securities fraud. So we'll yes. see what happens with that. Bunny, you have your hands hand raised. What's going on? You know, I talked to a different Web3 lawyer, Easy, and they don't think that they would pursue it in like the other jurisdictions. Mm. I think it'll be too heavy. Thank you, uh, My lawyer. My lawyer versus your lawyer on a space, Bunny. That's what we should do. Battle of the lawyers. You bring yours, I bring mine. Thank you, Bunny, for that. But also, Garga had the bar of the the fucking trial with the, uh, they they, they said, you know, without the Campbell soup brand, Warhol wouldn't have sold his paintings, right? And and Garga, Garga said, well, Warhol wasn't selling actual soup at the grocery store, though, right? Like, boom. Oh, that's a, that's just a. That's a beautiful. I mean, they're trying to use the Warhol thing. It's like, dude, get get out of here, bro. You literally just copied and pasted the things. Get out of here, dude. Anyway, um, so we don't have to talk about that thing anymore. Uh, that is not something that is going to be relevant anymore. Uh, on the loser side, uh, I'm assuming that Yuga Labs is going to continue to be relevant. I don't think that's an outrageous take to have. So, what's the story with this? Founder exodus. It seems like uh, people are figuring out that if you don't have an, a business, then you can't run an NFT collection, at obvi- obviously, right? That's like asking someone that has a storefront in New York City, hey, how do you run this thing when you don't make any revenue ever? Uh, so I think it's pretty obvious, but I'd like to dive into this. What's going on? Are a lot of people figuring out that you need to have a business easy? Yeah, that's uh, especially on the Solana side, I would say. It's kind of what we're dealing with here. You got a lot of people who have since essentially just been like, yeah, we're, we're shutting down. We don't have the capital to do this. We don't have a plan. We don't have basically anything that we should have had and we don't know what to do. So it's don't, don't, don't tell me we're not having fun yet, you know? And that's kind of the boat we're in right now. You had Lily shut down, which was a prominent art collection on Solana. Uh, founder had paid himself 100K a year for two years. A lot of people said that that was a misuse of funds. Then you had another project that was supposed to be a marketplace that really rewarded traders, hyper-incentivized the traders. <coughs> Excuse me. And they did a pre-sale for 150 showed all of their expenses, and then refunded buyers $15. So a lot of people are really upset about that because they got 90% off of what they pre-sold. A lot of these same people were asking for refunds basically while it was happening and got no response. And now the team has come out and said, yeah, we refunded every unlisted NFT, $15. And we're deleting our socials tomorrow. Thank you. 
Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I, I'm not optimistic that people are going to pick up and like actually realize like you need to have a business, but that just is the reality of it. So I'm hoping that gradually over time it is understood, but at the same time, I'm not foolish enough to think that me saying this is going to have any impact at all. And I've been like beating this drum for honestly, like two years pretty much. And it's just not something that the, the NFT audience uh, is interested in hearing. So we'll have to see what happens, but basically I'll say it one more time. You don't have a business. It's a rug pull. That's it. What else could it be? How else can they survive? People don't do things for free. They need an incentive. And so if you just sell, and if, I had a call with somebody that's going to help us with something in Amsterdam and we just started chatting and he goes to me, he goes, well, you guys wouldn't be able to survive if you didn't have a business, right? And I was like, no, of course not. What are you even saying? How could we ever survive if we didn't have revenue, if we didn't have a business? What are we even talking about here? Of course, that's like asking, hey, Mark Zuckerberg, you guys wouldn't be able to survive if you didn't have revenue, right? Of course not. There's a bunch of employees over there. There's offices. There's a whole lot going on. You need to have revenue. So this is going to keep happening. Their, uh, NFT projects is going to literally drop like flies left and right. Um, and you need to have a business and there's no other option what are we even talking about here? Uh, Say, it looks I like you want to weigh in with something. Well, I, I guess the challenge just on the holders perspective is that some people, some founders are saying that they have a business, but then as a holder, you have no idea. You have no transparency over what's happening to the treasury. You don't know what their burn rate is. You don't know where the money is going. So it's like, even as a holder, sometimes it's really difficult to assess whether a project is a business. Cause like you can say you're a business, but like your revenues might be still really low. You might not be in profit. Uh, like you, like Yuga Labs could have a, like a horrendous burn rate. Uh, but like none of these numbers are actually shared with holders. So to, to like on like on the one hand, I agree what, with what you're saying, Pio. But on the other hand, I think it's really hard as an outsider to assess what are the actual figures. Is this is this business going to go out of business in the next like two three months? Or is this a business that actually has legs for the next 18 months? And, you know, the ones who have legs on for the next 18 months, they're in the news. They're the ones getting the VC rounds. They're the ones who we know who can have a high burn rate and last for the next two years. But, but you know, and, and then you have projects, just projects on the other side. But everybody else in the middle, I think that as a holder, because there's no transparency, if that was to go and disappear over the next three months, but the messaging from the founders has been, we're still working. And then the next day they disappear. I don't think that's always on the holders because they don't have all the information. Well, I can just give you the information now. The only businesses right now are Pudgy Penguins, Campi Pandas, us. I mean, Rug Radio is a business for sure. Um, Yuga Labs has enough capital, though, that they can keep this going for at least one to two years easy. Um, I mean, they just did the layoff to probably adjust that burn rate. Moonbirds has capital. Uh, D-Gods is, I, they, I think they have an events business for sure. And they have a physical products component to their business. I don't know how big it is, but there's certainly, there's at least the beginnings of a business there for sure. Azuki, everybody knows they got enough money. They just did 40 million bucks. They don't need a business. I don't think they want to have a business. They just, they raised a bunch of money right before, like basically at the last second that they could. Um, Doodles has a bunch of money and they seem interested in making a business for sure. Uh, who, who else? Like, what, what am I even going to like talk about? And all these gaming projects, I think are businesses, obviously uh, like that's a totally different realm. Of course. Like, but yeah, people are like, buying those NFTs the same way they're buying this stuff. Ebring said artifact artifact was acquired by Nike. So uh, that's a business. 
Nike's a business, but unless they buy the NFTs, I don't know what the relationship is between Artifact and Nike. Bunny, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, in the pantheon of PO takes, this is your most out to lunch one for sure, right? <laughs> like, dude, once I hear the word business, like nothing makes me run faster. For, like, if you want to start a business, then just start a fucking business, dude, right? Look at Frodo Gremlins. That thing's got a better floor than 99% of NFT. Pro- Bro, I just want memes and community. Those are the, that's it. With, with like, re- like business comes expectations, dude. I like, I, like, and then once the holders have expectations, that's when things go south in, in a hurry. So Bunny right now gave the literal perfect response. Bunny is accurately representing the, the baseline, you know, NFT slash crypto person that literally if they hear the word business, they want to run. They're like, that's not fun. I want memes. I'm here for fun. If the price goes up, that's cool. But the reality is, in seven years, there will be no Sproto gremlins. I mean, I'm sorry to let you know. I'm sure there's going to be an army of Sprotos trying to stick their nose into me or whatever they do. And uh, and 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 I'm sure I'm going to ruffle a lot of feathers. But I'm sorry. Sproto Gremlins in seven years is not going to be a thing. You got a guy with an MF or profile picture saying Bunny is on point. Yes, this is the same archetype of person right here that they're like, don't say the word business. That's not fun. I'm not here for that. I hate my job. I, I, I'm here for fun. And maybe the thing will go up in price. I'm just giving you the actual reality of things here. Um, if you go on the crypto side, there's a bunch of BS shit coins that go up in price. Those aren't going to be significant. Those go to zero against Bitcoin long term. I know that makes you so mad. I feel the other people's blood just boiling right now. They're like, did he just say the word Bitcoin too? This is ridiculous. You can say that Web3 DGENs have no interest in a business, but you'll see which projects do well over the seven years because the businesses actually have revenue to support the floor price of the project. I'm, I'm sorry to give you this information. Machi was calling for Yuga Labs to sweep the floor of uh, Board Ape Yacht Club with the $1.5 million. I almost commented on it. I almost quote tweeted it to basically do this rant. But I was like, honestly... I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm, I'm just going to let, I'll quote tweet it in two years. How about that? That's when I'll quote tweet it. But you know it. what, like, but you know, Pio, I kind of like, I'm, I kind of sit with Bunny in some way because like, it, like people have no idea what's going on. Like, why do you think the, uh, the AIP for uh, eight Dow council was uh, like, was, was voted on to be slashed by 50%? Because people are like, these people are getting paid a ton of money per month. They have no idea what is going on. Like, why are these people being paid so much money to do what? And it's not even their full-time job. So it's just like, like, in but the, they don't work for Yuga. That they, they don't, that's not oh, coming no, no, off no. the Yuga's payroll. Yeah. I know that I, like, I know they don't work for Yuga. It's a separate entity, which is also a business, right? But still at that level in a DAO, people don't know what people are doing on this council to earn that kind of money for what is basically a part-time or quarter-time job, right? So I just think that like, it's an example of the lack of transparency that kind of gets to people being like, I've got no idea what's going on here. Whether it is a business or, 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 or not, I'd rather just go with an, like an like a MF project or Sproda Gromlins because at least price goes up. And I take the risks that if I round trip, I round trip. But if I make a bag, I also make a bag and exit. So like, I sit like, in the short term, I think both parties can win. And I don't think it has to be a business for people to feel confident to put their money into it. 
Yeah, I'm not talking about short term. I'm only talking about long term. I don't care about short term ever about any. I, I literally do not care about short term. Everything I'm doing, I'm thinking like super duper long term about. And I'm just telling you, like in nine years, I'm not going to want to have that MF -er over like Bitcoin or any NFT that has an actual business. Bunny has his hand raised again. Bunny. Yeah, uh, the, here's the issue. Like, right when, when the when the founder of a Cartoon Animal Project is pretending that he has a business, then the holders are pretending that they're fucking investors in this, and they have shares in some company, right? And then they have all these expectations of what they expect. Like, I guarantee you, a meme, a strong meme, will outlet. Because, dude, what's the fail rate of businesses in general? Ninety percent, and then take it to a, a brand new niche ass market. Like I, a meme is going to last longer than some bozo who made a million dollars has no idea what he's doing and is going to burn through that in two to three years. If Luca Nets literally makes a 10 plus million annual revenue toy business, let me know if that's if that's a bozo move. If Board Ape Yacht Club, Yuga Labs, your favorite thing, Bunny, ends up making a super duper robust video game entity. What, what, what are you going to say, Bunny? Is that a bozo take? I don't know. I would say, I would say that those would then be the anomalies, right? Like not the average. And it ain't going to be and, the average. And, and, and here's the thing, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even positive that both of those projects will make it long-term. Right. Yeah. You can't be positive. It's, there's exactly. an incredibly high fail rate. That's but why I don't want a business. <laughs> you proved my book. <laughs> in nine years, we'll we'll circle back on this. That's literally the time. I know everyone's like, stop saying nine years, ten years, because people hate thinking like super long term. But that is the 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 timeline, the framework that I'm operating in. Um. Anyway, we can uh, we can move on from this. That was a, a very fun back and forth with Bunny, with good points from Bunny for sure. Love having Bunny on the show. Uh. Anyway, next story. So we got the D God's price action that we were talking about. It was touched upon earlier in the show. Uh, what do you guys make of what's going on there? D-Gods are ten, down 10% 10 over the past 24 hours after seeing a huge amount of sell pressure in the Blur bids. Uh, we had the Blur farmer, Hanway, come through, owned 200, but dumped all but 70. They have 5.5% of their collection on Blend, tied with CryptoPunks for more, most supply on Blend. The third closest is Romilio Babies and Azuki at 3% of their supply. Utes have also continued to bleed down at 0.65 Ethereum. Easy, what do you make of what's going on? Is it possible for a turnaround before the end of the year? I think so. I do think so. It's an interesting kind of situation. Obviously, the blend loans and like lending markets have really taken center stage on like negative price action. It's where a lot of people credit why these things are trading negatively and downward pressure. Just because you get liquidity, and that's usually what happens is uh, if they don't repay those, it goes to someone who doesn't want the asset, they sell it for a loss, and this downward domino effect, which is never good for a project. But do I think D-Gods, if anyone can kind of rally around and bounce back, I think it would definitely be them. Obviously, you have Basil coming up end of the year. I think with Frank in general, it's not someone that the space likes to fade. They like to kind of dunk on him when applicable just because of how vocal he is. But we just haven't really seen much from their camp post this like clarity phase that they've started to outline. So I think if we start to get announcements and the clarity aspect starts to come to life, then I think you will see positive price action. We've been waiting for these answers, waiting for these responses on what and where this, the project's going. 
So I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with that. Um, but I, I think if anyone can bounce back, it'll be D-Gods. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I, I wouldn't be... Well, the points parlor was such like a great concept. They literally gave away a Tesla, which on paper, I think, would be electric. Unfortunate, underwhelming response you know, from the market. I think the prices of the D-Gods and the Utes assets were probably really, really, really high. And the second you draw that parallel between those extremely high prices and something like Points Parlor is where things kind of changed. Signal, you had some takes on, on D-Gods that you had earlier in the show. What are you thinking about? Uh, no, I was just joking that Frank's becoming the main character by uh, dunking on his uh, own holders. Like Frank's been the main character for a while. He's always been controversial. He's always been polarizing. I think, like, I think now that he's gone across the chains, it, it's just people just want to see some meat on the bone right now. But I do think that if the team can come out with something solid, that there is still like hope within that community that people will come in um, and by the assets. He's always been extremely strong at being able to um, hype people up, get people like into the community that necessarily, that didn't necessarily hold a ute before, but he, but there needs to be some substance. I feel like he has incredible style and the team do as well. Their design is on point. I think when it comes to design, that team, whoever does a design in-house is one of the best in the space. But it really needs some substance. And uh, I feel like the time for that, if they're not doing it in the next couple of months, is quickly running out. I, I, could, I mean, look, I think it's a good take for sure. We'll have to see what happens between now and the end of the year. Uh, Clemente, any thoughts? It looks like you want to weigh in. Yeah, they. <clears throat> I was looking at like the points parlor. Basically, they just stopped communicating. Uh, about it, D Gods did. They used to release basically every week. I think they had like some really strong partnerships and sponsors lined up for maybe the first few weeks and then just didn't have like the sales or business development team to really continue that at all. And now basically everyone says that just the whales win everything. Uh, that's troubling. I also am not a huge fan of the move to make every like reset all the art to season one because you're going through and 90% of the D Gods that you see on Blur are just the season one art which I'm not a huge fan of at all. And the one thing that is interesting is Frank is finally starting to post on Twitter again, which is literally like his number one strength is literally just get millions of impressions a day and retweet your holders, give them exposure. That's it. Like he, he changed his name to like D God, whatever, whatever. And then right afterwards you see like 40 people do the exact same thing. He retweets all of them and it creates like this effect. But as Easy was saying earlier, maybe he took it a little too far with saying, uh, like calling the, some of the community members bozos, which is uh, not ideal. I like it. Um, I like that that part of it for sure. Man, I, it's a Friday. I'm like, am I about to just totally go off? I don't think I can just totally go off here and just be totally transparent. I'm just like, because people are like, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> like literally everyone's just like, we don't want to hear it. Stop. Stop talking about business. I mean, look, what do you guys want them to do? Light money on fire with points parlor so the floor goes down? Why would they do it? Why would they do that? You're literally lighting money on fire and the floor goes down. Why would they do that? You know, so you just have to think reasonably about this stuff for a second. Why are you going to just go spend a bunch of money 
and then make the floor price go down. If it's not working, you have to move on. There's this uh, Brian Armstrong tweet that I referenced. Clemente, you made a clip about it because Easy and Nick roasted me in the clip. Remember when I was like, just do it or something? And Nick was like, oh, Brian Armstrong came up with the Nike slogan, like that whole clip. It's a great paragraph tweet from Brian Armstrong that's like, Basically, in entrepreneurship in an early stage startup company, which every NFT business is absolutely an early stage startup company, younger than two years old in almost every single case or right around two years old, you have to try things and see if they work. And if they don't work, you have to cut it and move on. You can't just keep plowing money into something that's not working. That's insane. That like any entrepreneur, any like um, you know, former founder that's had successful exits that's like advising you is gonna be like, what the hell are you doing? It's not working. You have to stop. What the hell is going on? Um, we got Tony coming to stage. Tony from our partner Shrapnel. He was on the show yesterday. He wants to come on stage, not even to talk about shrapnel, but to talk about D-Gods. Tony, happy Friday, buddy. How you doing? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I'm doing great, man. Um, I, I say this as someone who really likes Frank a lot. I think he is a, a super talented marketer uh, and hype driver. And and like the things that you've all said he's good at, he's really good at. And I also think that the business take is a really good conversation and like a really interesting one. Because again, like if... If you're saying like the goal is for the number to go up, like why would it go up other than you have something like a product for people to rally around, right? And I think that's what we're seeing here with this. And just as like a little bit of like, I, I don't know if alpha is the right word, but like insider baseball, like we were talking about participating in the points parlor, right? And like the business model wasn't spend money on the points parlor. Like they were charging people a shitload of money to be in the points parlor and give out stuff. And like, like we were going to give them money to be in it. Like all they had to do was put on the baseball mitt and catch the money that we were going to give them to give away a bunch of in-game shrapnel stuff. And like, it just totally fell off. Like we just totally, just like totally stopped talking to people for months. Right. Um, and like, we were like literally like messaging, like, Hey, we have a check for you to be in this thing as, as a, as a sponsor. Um, and just totally like stop talking to us. And so, you know, my take is that doesn't, that to me isn't reflective of, Hey, we were, and again, like I worked at a company where, I, I had infinite money, Amazon, and I watched my boss, Mike Frazzini, fly hundreds of millions of dollars of Jeff Bezos' money like right into the sun. We made more dumb products that <laughs> never existed and we never made a dollar off of than, than any other business in the world. Uh, and But while we were doing that, while we were flying all of that money into the sun, we were like working real hard at it, right? Like I mean, we were like, we, I, was, I was flying all over the world, talking to game developers, trying to get them on board. Um, and, and just to be frank, as someone who, sorry, that's an odd way to say that, J just to be candid, um, as someone who built a business that looks exactly like Points Parlor at Amazon, I mean, Twitch Prime is Points Parlor, right? It's like, give us money for Amazon Prime, log into a website, and get free rewards. That is that is what Twitch Prime, Prime Gaming is. It has, you know, almost 100 million members now. And what I didn't see them do was actually treated seriously. Like when I was talking to those guys, and I by this way, like I said, I like them a lot. Frank, if you're listening, if anyone's listening, I like Frank a lot. I think you're a really talented, smart guy. But like it just felt kind of lazy. Like it was like, hey, we're like, we're we're this really important group. And so we shouldn't have to like do a whole lot of work to collect money from you guys and, and make this thing successful. We're just gonna put up a website that looks kind of cool and we're the, you know, we're the D God's youths and so it'll work. Um, and I think that they've been writing that I think that I think that attitude has been mostly true. Uh, in this space because they've done such a good job driving hype and, and getting people 
you know, taking the drugs, if you will, right? Like I, I made the money, so this is the coolest thing ever um, without really evaluating whether or not the thing that they're buying into is a sustainable thing. Um, and that's okay if the whole goal, like Bunny said, is just to like make the bag. Um, but I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not really surprising. And and I think that it's unfortunate because I think Points Father could have been something really cool. Um, and it felt like, again, like there just wasn't the rigor put into necessarily. Well, we lost you right there at the very end. I think it was your last statement. You you uh, you, you said the rigor to make it happen. It sounds like um, yeah. I just say it, it, it feels like they didn't. Put, yeah, it just felt like they didn't put the rigor in to make it to make it what it needed to be. And sorry, I I think I got cut off by my alarm clock. No no worries. It's early for you. It's West Coast, seven a.m. So Tony's up before the alarm, ladies and gentlemen. He's ready. He's not, he loves the smell of napalm in the morning over there at Shrapnel. For all you uh, Francis Ford Coppola fans, uh, real quick, uh, people are saying it's Beard Man. Yes, you've correctly identified Tony. He came on the show yesterday to talk about Shrapnel, and he does have a large beard. Um, yeah, look, Tony, uh, I I appreciate the take and the transparency. I do think there is a component from my side that if the thing is going to make the floor price go down, you, you just can't keep putting money into it or putting resources into it. Uh, but I appreciate the the detail that you shared there. Look, ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. It's been a fun show. There's been some spice. There's been some transparency without Nick here. Gee, if we would have lit the town ablaze if Nick was here, well, he probably would have been disagreeing with near everything that I said. So I, uh, I got off, um, you know, with. So we are right, real quick. We got one comment from a D God's holder. He goes, as a D God's holder, I don't give a shit about points, Pollard. There you go, right? So it's something a holder doesn't care about. How are you going to plunge more money into that? He goes, I don't even play. It is in fact a whale game. There you go. But we own an effing basketball team. That is definitely super duper cool to own a, a basketball team, a big three team. Uh, that's that's definitely some cool stuff. Look, ladies and gentlemen, fun Friday episode of the show. If you're going to Breakpoint next week, find me a Breakpoint. I'm going to be rolling with these these shirts that we did, uh, you know, p- put a lot of time into. So I hope that you guys appreciate them. And there will be more things like this to come uh, moving forward. But anyway, we got an event at Breakpoint next next week, November 1st, Wednesday. What's the event going to be? It's going to be a little cocktail party. That's it. And you're going to be able to talk to each other. There will be like a DJ and stuff, but it's not going to be too loud. All of our events, we don't do the club-like atmosphere. We do the you-can-actually-talk-to-each-other atmosphere. There's going to be a photographer there. There's going to be a videographer there. So if you don't want to be on camera, I don't know if it's going to be the right event for you. And we're going to drop a bunch of content before the event, after the event, and during the event um, that I think is going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be pretty dope. So uh, see you in Amsterdam next week. If you see us walking around, it's going to be me, Nick, and Easy there. And our uh, videographer, my guy, Ali Jasim, just Jasim. He's a, uh, a Bodagos holder. Going to be a lot of fun. If you've never been to Amsterdam, it's a really, really dope city. I recommend it. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot different than what a lot of Americans and Western folk or, uh, you know, North American folks are expecting. I think they're expecting a rah-rah party city where people are out until like 4 a.m. And they're in for a rude awakening that it's like a quiet clean, beautiful little city with like super duper reasonable residents, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, someone asked if we're doing the show from there. You bet your ass we are, uh, a thousand percent. I bought all the gear 
I don't even know I'm going to bring all this stuff on a plane. I feel like people are going to be like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Uh, this is too many people. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. I'm going to end the YouTube stream. If you are just listening, we do this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time, also available on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Check out YouTube for the video feed. We will be around next week from Amsterdam, Monday through Friday. Don't worry about it. We're going to do it. And we will uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>